this album means a lot more to me since I got to be a part of it than than if I were just a guy listening to it. But if I was just a guy listening to it, I'd still think it's a ripper. You know, it's, it's, it's an awesome album. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. We talk about our favorite records. Talking Records Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Thank you all for listening. You showed up to the right place. Chad and his friends dive deep and analyze the records we have grown to love. We'll tell you how we found the band. Track by track, breakdown of all the songs. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat. Today we'll look at another record in its entirety. Hello, what's up everyone? My name is Jed and you're listening to a podcast devoted to featuring albums we love. I'm just a huge fan of music and for me, it's really interesting to know the background on the albums I've been enjoying for years. But sometimes it's tough to find anything on these albums, so my goal is to round up everything I can and put it in one place. Also, I'd like to invite friends on to chat about the album. I am absolutely thrilled today to be joined today by artist Mark DeSalvo. How are you, Mark? Doing well. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the podcast. A huge fan of your artwork. Thank you, thank you. I have a lot of fun doing it, and so so every time I get a nice word set to me, they... They sink in deep because, yeah, it makes me feel good that, that people people dig my stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It must feel good that, like, a hobby of yours has been something you've been able to share in such a meaningful way to not only yourself, but fans of the music that your art graces. Yeah, well, I mean, it started out as just something that I, you know, I was into music myself and, into, you know, into punk rock was what I liked listening to and it was the shows I was going to go see and just a kid that rode a skateboard and listened to punk rock and so i started doing skateboard designs and you know designing record covers for punk rock bands and and it's been a lot of fun along the way i got to meet you know some amazing bands that have you know guys in the bands have become good friends of mine and yeah it's been a fun journey that's great and your artwork is so easily recognizable you have such a unique style you know when i first started um i never really considered myself as having a style per se just i always you know I'd, you know try to paint things the best i could or whatever but at, you know at the time everything was um you know coop and kozik and you know so devils with big boobs things like that you know that's the artwork that was you know posters and you know show posters and things like that I didn't want to go that style. I was, you know, influences, painters that I liked were, you know, guys like Norman Rockwell, illustrators. Mm -hmm. um, It would just capture so much, you know, character and faces and things like that. Just such amazing painters. Um, So I just wanted to sort of, you know, taking a sort of a nostalgic style of painting like that and doing fun sort of punk rock stuff with it. (laughs) It's a fun contrast. You know, you're not surprised by a devil girl doing something weird with her tail or something. Yeah. But when you see sort of Norman Rockwellish painting, but the guy's doing something weird with a sheep, <laughs> uh, takes you back for a second. It's like one part wholesome, about... one part horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, you once told me that you got involved with album art by cold calling Fat Mike when you found contact information on the back of Propaganda's How to Clean Everything. So once you got in the foot, yeah. once you got your foot in the door, what was it like after that? 
Oh, fortunately, I mean, to date, still probably the most um, notable CD cover I've done. Definitely the most notorious CD cover I've done on the Heavy Petting Zoo and Eating Lamb covers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, like I said, I was into into certain bands, into, you know, the skateboard companies that the boards I rode, those wheels that I rode, those are the companies that I you know sent letters to saying, hey, let me do some artwork for you let me show you my portfolio and if you're interested we can go from there and yeah for some reason i was just i was listening to propaganda like you when you're listening to a record or something you're reading the liner notes you know seeing who produced it seeing you know this and that and in there it said that you know fat mike was getting mad at him because that was supposed to be released and they still didn't have the album artwork <laughs> And so I just said, hey, I was reading this. If that's the truth, give me a call. Yeah. I'd love to show you my portfolio. And um, <laughs> sent it to Fat Mike and got a call from him. Um, wow. And so I actually went into Net Records' office, showed him my stuff. And, you know, he was, it was cool because he liked, liked what he saw. And he was like, you know, some of my pieces. He's like, hey, check this out. This is kind of cool to other guys in the office. And oh, that's cool. Then he told me that you know, NoFX was looking for a new cover. Basically, just gave me a quick idea of you know the album title. Eating Lamb wasn't hadn't crossed his mind yet. Um, it was still just heavy petting too. Just the guy fondling a sheep. <laughs> kind of started doing some sketches, and you know we ended up having all sorts of fun, weird conversations about like. You know, is the sheep into it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or is the sheep struggling to get away? You know, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Go over a little, you know, because those are the, the little things. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The you know the all those little details. You know, you you start nitpicking and like, yeah. okay, can we do this? Can we do that? And you know, when I came in, um, the very first sketch, Mike was like, yeah, I don't want you to be able to see his hands so much, and. And yeah, maybe the sheep's not fighting as much, you know, maybe it's sort of just, you know, the guy's sort of whispering more into his ear and, oh my God. and, but he loved the barn and stuff that I picked in the background. He said the kids in the background, he was like, he's like, oh, that stuff's perfect. So, mm -hmm. so I was just tweaking the, the main drawing a bit and it just so happened that I had um, a coworker that, you know, once I did the sketches, I was like, okay, I, you know, need to get some decent photos of you know how i want this to look and so i was working at a brew pub up in san francisco at the time bartending and a co-bartender of mine who you know basically we went up onto the roof because i wanted the sun coming down i wanted the light you know just that sort of natural outdoor light uh, so we went up onto the roof of the brewery with a keg and the you know i had the, my co-worker sort of just pre pretending that the keg was a sheep yeah. <laughs> and you know, the, <laughs> and it was like a, one of those old rounder kegs yeah. um so the bunghole was on the side so he could actually like put his hand where oh that was and, um so he's he's actually um up on the roof of 20 tank brewery in san francisco fondling a keg and i That's you know funny. from there but that, i mean i was just mainly after that photo reference of yeah place you know and, and it turns out when I, you know, came in and so now I had actual good photo reference that I was doing sketches from and I showed Mike those, he like flipped out and I had never met Joey at this point. Um, but he's like, Oh my God, this, you got to make it look like this. He, he's like, these are perfect. And yeah, he's, this, you know, <laughs> it's got to look exactly like this, you know, the finished painting cause the drawings are perfect. Yeah. Wow. And I was wondering why. And he's like, you know, 
um, Joey, the singer for Lagwagon. It looks exactly like it. It's like, That's so funny. It's like, okay. And actually, once I met Joey, it's like, oh, wow, they do look a lot alike. You know, <laughs> my we'll get into a little bit of that uh, possible retaliation on this album in just, yeah. in just a bit. But, that's, uh, yeah, that's coming up. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, today we're going to talk about another great album cover you did and another great album that you participated in. We're going to dig into Let's Talk About Feelings by Lagwagon. Let's Talk About Feelings was released on November 24th, 1998 on Fat Records. The album was recorded at Motor Studios and Orange Whip Studios, where it was engineered by Adam Kramer and co-produced by Ryan Green and vocalist Joey Cape. Orange Whip was the studio belonging to Angus Cook, a friend of Joey's and future bandmate in Bad Astronaut. I had a chance to exchange a few messages with guitarist Chris Leon Rest, and he recalled that they moved over to Orange Whip because it was cheaper, and Joey felt a bit more comfortable there. I guess you need to be comfortable if you're going to co-produce an album. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, Ryan's awesome. Yeah. If anyone's responsible for, you know, the quote-unquote fat sound, it'd be Ryan Green. It's harder to name an album, a fat album, that he didn't do. Right. <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know. Has fingerprint on a lot of them. And he's a super, super cool guy. I actually, um, in doing Heavy Petting Zoo, um, when I turned in the artwork... It was at Motor Studios, or Razor's Edge Studios, mm-hmm. which was just this house on Divisadero in San Francisco. And, you know, it was gutted, I guess, and turned into a little studio. But I went in, took the artwork in there to, you know, just the front cover um, to show no effects. And um, when they came in, they saw it and, you know, the band was totally into it. And that's when Fat Mike came to me with the idea for the vinyl version. So we were ha- already halfway done with get an album done when he when he decided that it needed its own special vinyl version <laughs> anyways that's that's just how i again how i met ryan green mm-hmm. i didn't meet adam kramer until later on and it's when they started motor studios and you know like um they got this place uh where was it like um, um petrero was it petrero no it was i can't remember what neighborhood in san francisco it was but um a cool more like warehouse um, style place but um totally gutted out and turned into this really nice studio and stuff and yeah a bit more um, the crash on the couch there while limp was in there recording stuff nice <laughs> front row seat so. to the action that's awesome <laughs> the band's previous album saw the addition of posey's guitarist ken stringfellow to add some guitar and become a touring member of the band when stringfellow opted not to return the band reached out to former rkl guitarist chris rest Again, you see, Chris, also known as Leon, as we said before, was asked to join the band prior to Double Platinum, but Stringfellow got the job. Understanding that Stringfellow wasn't a natural fit for the band, and with the resurrection of the Posies, Joey called Chris from tour in Europe. He explained the band would be coming back to the States in three days and needed him to fill in on guitar for the band's stint on the 1997 Warp Tour. Chris met the band in Chicago and had one day to rehearse. According to Chris in the Let's Talk About Feelings expanded reissue liner notes, we had one day to rehearse in which there was a massive power outage and we had to do most of the rehearsal in the dark with no amps. Apparently the lightning storm <laughs> brought the next day's warp Tour to a quick close, but Chris was officially in the band. <laughs> what a way to get into a band. 
Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Uh, he's insanely amazing. The fact that uh, he does the same thing. I, the last time I saw saw him was actually playing with Polly because because Mike couldn't couldn't make the show airport up in L.A. and I think like I don't know if he's like a flight controller or something. <laughs> His, his, he's got he's got a real job that doesn't allow him to go on tour with Polly all the time, and Leon jumps in all, and just fills in, you know, doesn't never skips a beat. It's amazing. Um, I just fill in for the gimme gimmies. Um, no use, for, uh, yeah, no use for name. I think. Yeah, so it's like, how do you store that much? <laughs> that much, you know. Guy must have like an extra room in his in brain. brain. Yeah, especially. If I mean, I can get it if it's like a song that you wrote, you invented. Yeah. You know, I would expect George Harrison could play every Beatles song, but he's been in a band and he wrote every Beatles, you know, was there in the process the entire time. But to actually just jump into something that someone else wrote and and then it's this crazy guitar lead and you just yeah, nail it. It's like To learn it and to learn the timing and to learn. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Tracking guitars at Motor Studios, the band plugged into Marshall Amps, and Rust recalls a Soldano that belonged to strung-out bassist Jim Cherry. The album was then mixed at the Blasting Room by Bill Stevenson, Stefan Egerton, and Jason Livermore. The Blasting Room is where the band would also do some additional recording with songs like Allison's Disease and other notable B-sides that ended up on a feed bag of Truck Stop Poetry, the 7-inch, and various comps at the time, so... It's cool to have like a bunch of extra songs to kind of dole out, you know. Yeah, I think when they when they did the vinyl box set, didn't didn't all those songs get get put back on the yeah onto the albums in a, the expanded version? Yeah, <laughs> I I couldn't afford the that big vinyl box, so I still just have the little eleven inch. Yeah. <laughs> According to Joey on Vice's "Rank Your Records" feature, Joey said of this album, "The writing era and the way things felt on that record is hard to put my finger on, but I love the way it sounds. I like it sonically, and it's also really poppy. I like pop music. I feel like some of the better songs I've written come from that record." Joey would come to the band with song structures and chords. As a guitar player himself, he usually presented song ideas pretty flushed out. But once the guys in the band began interpreting his ideas and adding their own. That's when the song truly began to take shape. So, Mark, I want to know how did you, how did you get into Lagwagon? How did you, what's your? I mean, obviously playing an important role in this album's production. You know, what's your context with Let's Talk About Feelings? Fat Mike brought me into that little world, and in doing so, um, I was hooked up with. I mean, a lot of these bands again. You know, I had the property contacting fat mike to begin with you know i sent out letters like that to look out to epitaph mm-hmm. to you know but you know fat mike got me in and and in doing so i remember you know he's just tossing me cds here take this take this um <laughs> uh, some of them gun, like the guns and wankers little oh, yeah. bp was i was so in love with that thing yeah. when it came out i was like oh my god this is like the best thing ever that's a great album done trashed were handed to me and took to lag wagon right away with that um when double platinum came out mm-hmm. i was just like blown away so when they um you know a little while later when they asked me to do a cover for him i was you know super excited part of it was to get back at fat like uh, i learned you know after after they told me about the sort of what they wanted for the idea for the back cover, I was just into you know the music I was into. 
Lagwagon was one of those bands that was handed to me by Fat, by Fat Mike, and I loved them right off the bat. Uh, I can't say a bad thing about any Fat band. I think I think me and Mike just probably share very similar music tastes. Uh, and yeah, so I was already into the band, and then getting you know asked to to paint for him you know, it was an awesome idea. Joey knew what he wanted for the cover. And he actually, he was digging around. I was at his place looking for it. And he was digging around. And he couldn't find the CD band called Speed Racer. And the album was called Railer, which he's, wow. <laughs> he, was, he was, I don't know if he really liked that band or if it was just the cover that he was like obsessed with. Mm-hmm. But he, um, yeah, dug around looking for it. Couldn't find it and so then he's just sat down and he's like well anyways it's kind of nerdy girl she's got a big smile it's like and it, you know he's just describing her as like you know she's she's nerdy and dorky and funny looking freckled braces <laughs> you know everything you think about a nerdy girl but her smile you can tell she doesn't think she's nerdy she you know she has no idea what people's per- perception of her might be yeah. she's just happy wow. I, you know went home and I just, just started scribbling nerdy girls uh, <laughs> and you know drew just tons of them and just kept drawing them and drawing them and showing them to him and he's like oh no this one's like ee. like some of them are too, too know, ugly like, too, yeah <laughs> way too ugly. yeah oh, and it's it's a funny balance but anyways we finally get to this one nerdy girl that was sort of loosely based on a drawing of my grandmother. <laughs> um, it was like a, an artist did a sketch of my grandmother back when she was maybe in her twenties. Anyways, I had that sketch in a photo album and for some reason the photo album was out and um, I was like, Oh, that's a cool sketch. And I'll, I'll do her. And so like the hairdo, things like that, the lighting is all from that sketch. Oh, wow. um, the artist named Vic Vukanich. <laughs> the 1940s or something and joe you know joey started liking how it was coming together um <clears throat> so i started painting it and then he found the cd cover he's like oh you know here, here i finally found it and i definitely liked that face so i basically took what i had already had and just sort of started tweaking the features to look more like the girl mm-hmm. um on the, re- the speed racer cover you know, so you can, I mean, if you look at those pictures together, you definitely see a similarity, but I've also, that wasn't the painting, that wasn't the picture I started with as, you know, sort of a weird, weird way about going about it. But I think it turned out, you know, really cool as I've, the guy who did the layout, when he's a photographer there in San Francisco as well, but he was doing a lot of layout for Fat at the time. Yeah. When I took it to him, I had drawn that word balloon and just sort of stuck it on there. And I said, you know, I had this idea but you're doing the layout, you know, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for that first record, he um, sort of cropped more and put her off onto the side rather than dead center. Mm -hmm. Um, The re-release where she's more center, um, that was like the actual full, full paint. That's cool. So he zoomed in on it. You can see, well, your listeners can't see, but (laughs) he moved in on it. And, um, and yeah, and he used the, little scribbly word balloon that i had sort of just taped on there um so i kind of like that (laughs) it's like cool that's very cool you know i've seen stickers and things like that made out of it and it's kind of neat because it's that's actually my handwriting so oh nice (laughs) finding out about you know joey's idea for the back cover wanting to you know somehow sneak a picture of fat mike on there (laughs) all stems from the fact that the heavy petting zoo cowboy 
looks a lot like Joey Cape. So, and and I think when Joey was presented with seeing the No Effects album for the first time, was told that it was like you know that he it was him. That yeah. you know. So was that Joey's um, idea to get to get Mike on the back? Yeah, <laughs> um, and because he's saying he, um, for the back cover, he's thinking just like slumber party kind of vibe. Yeah. And he's like, and do you think you can put like a picture of Fat Mike, uh, you know, on these girls' walls somehow? So and make him look like a pop star a little bit. Yeah, if if you look really um, close, because I, I wanted it to be, you know, think of it like it was a like a poster torn out of a heartthrob magazine, yeah. the, you know, Tiger like beat. beat that sort of thing. <laughs> and yeah, so it's, it says "Hunky Punk Fat Mike Burkett," you know, in the little print down oh, underneath. That's it. awesome! I never noticed that. <laughs> you ever get a reaction out of mike i th- i mean he saw it and was just like and like you know so before it went to print i mean he could have you know vetoed it if yeah, he wanted yeah. to he went with it i ended up giving that cover to aaron for her birthday one year i figured she would probably be the only one that would want a picture of a bunch of nerdy girls <laughs> with a fat mike in their bedroom that's funny yeah i think i think mike said the last time he saw it was like just somewhere in the warehouse tucked away mm-hmm. so it's no longer hanging in her office mm-hmm. that's just understandable, understandable <laughs> i suppose yeah so here's a weird question for you mark do you have a name for the girl i i never did um but there's been for because I, I did the live in a dive forum and there's the whole comic book that oh, right. she's yeah. you know my friend jamie you know was the girl that you know, post for all the pictures for me. And so I refer to it as Jamie all the time. I refer to the nerdy girl as Jamie all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on the cover of the Let's Talk About Leftovers, right. she appears on that. The idea was for that was trying to put little pieces from all their albums, mm-hmm. you know, so duh, the duh kid is yeah. um, sitting in the Jesus position yeah. on the like <laughs> Last Supper thing and the tablecloths, the two different kinds of plaids. Yeah. I was like that. Flip is dressed like the picture in the trash can, and House House is just there joining them. I guess. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so the nerdy girl made it onto that, and that was actually a gal named Lizzie Lyons, um, who was you know posed for the picture of that. That was fun too, because on the back cover of that, we did like a a refrigerator, and it had like you know those funny letter magnets oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But in, inside the refrigerator. Um, there's a milk carton with one of the guitar players, uh, and then a previous drummer, or Derek was one of them, and uh, mm-hmm. then actually another guitar player, their heads were severed and inside the refrigerator. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember who what, who it was that was on the milk carton, but <laughs> Derek didn't like that his head was severed in the, no, I, in the understandably. <laughs> Why did I lose my head? Yeah. Well, that's cool how that all came together. I guess Jesse was the one who came up with the album title. Is that is that how you remember it? I didn't know who came up with yeah. the title. I was actually always wondered. I know that um, the Live and the Dive, the comic book, whole arc of the stories was Jesse's. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to sort of take what he gave me and rewrite it a bit to <laughs> fit the pages that I was allotted and yeah. um, try to make it a little more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he he had like a page that had like six different clocks on it showing that time is elapsing. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, well, we're getting rid of that, you know, because you can just say, you know, put those little, little minutes later. yellow thing that says later, yeah. you know, <laughs> a few hours later. 
I had mentioned on Talking Records episode 8, in which my pal Craig and I discussed the band's previous album, Double Platinum, which I soon realized I had been mispronouncing for over 20 years, that I discovered Lagwagon on the survival of the fatness comp, and I snatched up Double Plaid on that day the day it came out, and when Feelings came out in the late fall of my freshman year in college, I immediately ran out and got that. Uh, You know, being away from home at college, new surroundings, new people, with a complete inability to connect with anyone at first, having a new Lagwagon album was like an immense comfort. And I just listened to this album on repeat nonstop. It was short. You know, it was only 25 minutes. (laughs) But it was great. It was just hard hitting. The lyrics were kind of dark, you know. But, you know, they had bright tones on the guitars and you know, kind of combined with the pastel coloring of the artwork, it just kind of felt more of like an upbeat record, even though like the lyrics were kind of dark, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of cool. And you know, it was poppier. Definitely poppy. And, and yeah, Joey, I think started getting some flack for using such big words in some of his songs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some people would rib him for, you know, for owning a thesaurus, I guess. Yeah, who do you think you are, bad religion? Uh, yeah, exactly. The professors of punk rock. Yeah, they're deep lyrics. They're profound stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, they're they're digging up. You know, for poppy punk, they're digging up real feelings, not just scratching the surface of like, you know, oh, I'm sad because my girlfriend left. Right. Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons I like Lagwagon is, um, you know, they. They'll sing their goofy songs, you know, Mr. Coffee and, sure. you know, that sort of stuff. But they um, they connect with you on a deeper level just the same, you know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I like I like music that will take you through a gamut of emotions, you know, empower you, bum you out, uh, <laughs> make you laugh. Yeah. It all, you know, there are things you feel every day and, and it's good to have tunes that you can throw on and they cultivate those emotions in you. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark, well, are you ready to dive into these songs? Let's do it. Album kicks off with After You, My Friend. Yeah, great opening track that builds up on guitar and takes off. It's just a straightforward punk tune that doesn't really have a chorus. It just goes from beginning to end like a rocket. (laughs) It's one of those things where, you know, picking apart songs is strange because I've always just known it as the entire album. Right. Like a movement. And I actually, um, when it came out, didn't have a turntable. So, you know, I still have the records and stuff. I always only listened to it straight through, mm-hmm. you know, on a CD. Mm-hmm. So so I was hearing the whole thing without having to stop and flip it over or anything like that. Right. And it was on repeat forever, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they blend so well together that it does feel like one cohesive movement, yeah. So my favorite line in this song is, Fools in love are arrogant, their sermons cloud his breathing air. He's in love with an isolation from emotion. And it definitely makes me think of like some bitter person who's shut themselves off, you know, probably due to being hurt in the past. You know, they're shutting off that emotion. Um, that kind of thing. You know, he kind of looks scornfully at those like other people that who are in love and he just kind of has like that negative sort of chip on his shoulder kind of feeling. So I, I, I definitely see what you're saying there, but I don't think of it as a chip on his shoulder because I, mm. I think it's more of a um, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Yeah. Like the whole, like right after that line is when it drops into that 
I love that part. He's tuned out to the reality. Mm. Maybe just in his own little happy head. Again, that 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 melodic way. He's that line. Yeah, that line in that song. It's like even if you didn't know the lyrics, just a. It's like it's almost like a jingle. It'll stick yeah, in like your head. Elevator music. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's Todd Caps who plays the keyboard on that from Bad Astronaut. Yeah, I. You got me. All the. Pr- production stuff um you know i was i was just the guy doing the cover <laughs> it was bad astronaut was formed i think right after this album yeah and you can kind of tell i mean it, it, it you could see the direction that joey's writing was going in oh for sure yeah. i was and i was gonna say i think that um even like the kids are all wrong mm-hmm. if you would have put a little sort of spacey ambient ambient sort of sounds like whew, in the background it could have been a bad astronaut song. <laughs> it would have been a bad astronaut song. All right, let's take a look at Gun in Your Hand. Another good rocking song. Uh, I love the way it starts that guitar line. <laughs> The gun in your hand seems to be that thing you hold on to that eventually does your does you harm, whether it be drinking or drugs or something like that. At one point, Joey sings, you used to hold aspiration. You couldn't see the limitations. Even in your youth, you were unsurpassed, but driven by grief, and it couldn't last. It's great lines. He's such a good writer. For, no, for sure. I know that he walks around with like a little, like almost journal sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just like, because you never know when... Like a line just gonna pop in your head and you gotta scribble it down. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's how it works. Uh, I would think you'd have to sit down and try to work on lyrics. I guess when they're just walking around and something pop. I mean, but that makes you think. It's like, you know, hey, we were having coffee, and he was off thinking about this song the whole time. Did, he, <laughs> not, like, Did was, something I say make it into the notebook? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, he starts jotting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like that. <laughs> Hey, what are you writing? Yeah. yeah. Is that about me? Yeah. <laughs> I love all creative processes, but it just baffles me when you get into people like Chris uh, that can just play any song, like, you know, yeah, learn it and know it that quick. Mm-hmm. As like Joey that, you know, again, you know, very verbose lyrics that, um, how do you remember all the words? Mm. It's a big catalog of music to remember. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. uh, it's a lot of songs to remember all the words. Totally. Uh, you think it's a lot easier if it's just a quick jingly pop song with a repetitive chorus. Right. Lagwagon doesn't write like that. No. You know, they never have. No, so. they definitely don't. Concerning the movie clip at the end, uh, No Use for Name drummer Rory Koff once told me that at that time, all the bands were just having fun throwing movie quotes and sound bites on their albums. Uh, here, the band get Kevin Spacey from the 1994 film Swimming with Sharks talking over an instrumental section in the song. And the quote actually really fits in with the song. It's, it's not just thrown in there randomly. It actually feels to me like it has some context. Uh, Spacey ends with, before you run out and change the world, ask yourself, what do you really want? And to me, the song seems to be a plea for someone to be able to take charge of their own life and figure out what they want. Uh, I agree with that. Well placed. Um, I actually don't think I ever saw the movie with Kevin Spacey. I saw it a long time ago. Yeah, I don't really remember much about it. 
And now, like, you know, with everything Kevin Spacey has kind of gone through, I wonder if the band is like, you know, like. <laughs> it's one of those things. I think if, you know, if you're just listening to the song, who's saying the movie line, who's speaking it is irrelevant. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I I think the movie line is what what Joey is after, not not Kevin Spacey's grand performance yeah. in speaking. <laughs> <laughs> he delivered those lines uh, so well. Which I mean, granted, obviously Kevin Spacey is a gifted actor. It's one of those things. It's actually just him being Kevin Spacey at this point. He was he was a great actor then. Now he's you know mm. considered a creep. Yeah. I actually thought it was funny the other day. I think I was just looking for something to watch. Maybe it was like Peacock or one of those new streaming services. One of and I was baffled at how much Kevin Spacey stuff was on. And I was like, well, because no one wants Kevin Spacey movies anymore. So <laughs> they're free for, you know, so like the free services yeah. are like loaded with Kevin Spacey okay. movies because that's funny. They can get them for so cheap, I guess. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, Mark, let's take a look at Leave the Light On, a song about losing someone. I think my favorite part of this song is um, the guitar solo. It sounds like it's played in reverse. It's like the weirdest, coolest vibe. (laughs) You know, and I I actually, because, you know, both both Chris's, Flip and Leon, are such amazing guitar players Mm -hmm. i like i don't know who plays lead on that but it's it is just such a weird unique and it's i mean it's for pop punk to have lead guitars anyways is a strange thing yeah (laughs) um and then to just lay down like such a like i said it's it it seems like it was recorded and then played back backwards just there's an equality to that Mm -hmm. it's definitely a song about loss uh trying to find closure at one point, Joey sings, if I could bring this memory to life, I'd apologize. I live to hear you say what they can't. I would make amends. They all love to have you back, but I'd give anything to bring you back to say goodbye. So it's obviously about a person he feels there had been like some sort of maybe unresolved matter with or something. He just wishes to apologize, get that finality. Oh, it's funny. It's like a definitely reoccurring theme. And that same thing you know, after Derek's death, um, which obviously just pre- predates, mm-hmm. but becomes even that much prevalent in Joey's songs. Yeah. Um, there's a few songs that, and I don't know if maybe Joey lost someone else prior prior to that, but Feedback, that song mm. has that same sort of yeah. thing, like someone's not there anymore, that, you know, he was definitely emotionally attached to, so... I actually saw them play on this tour when this album came out, and he was on stage. And when he introduced the song, he goes, gee, we have a lot of sad songs. He kind of looked off to the side and, <laughs> and was like realizing in that moment, like, holy shit, we have a lot of sad ones. <laughs> uh, yeah, this album is, like I said, it's um, the music's far more upbeat than the lyrical tones, you know deep emotions that he's scratching mm-hmm. scratching at that you know you don't always feel in just the music itself yeah you know uh, yeah but, but then again i also think that the music um even on its popular sides that that, uh, uh, that adds a power to those lyrics as well though. oh definitely and like gun in your hand the song features an extended instrumental part that contains a clip from the 1990 film jacob's ladder it's the family, it's the family. It's the family. 
It's a quote about making peace and being able to let go. It plays behind the music, so it wasn't always clear to me what the guy was saying when I used to hear it when I first got the album. Uh, these days, with the easy access to like YouTube and the internet, you can find the quote and like kind of listen and read it at the same time. So all these years later, it was kind of cool to like actually hear that quote, read it, and kind of get the get the meaning behind it. The song ends, and then you get an edited bit from the 1995 film. So two movie quotes in this one. You get a bit from Welcome to the Dollhouse. It's the scene where the boys in the movie are in the garage playing music, and Steve's singing was a little flat. Barry, why don't you play an A for Steve? You got that, Steve? Have you seen that movie? Yeah. I feel like this one fits perfectly because it's about Don, you know, this girl who's like relentlessly teased. And I remember when I when I saw that movie and I thought about the nerdy girl on the cover of this record, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's like a coincidence or if that's that was strategic. I always wondered about that. <laughs> like I said, I'm never sure if Joey was like really into the band Speed Racer or just like obsessed with that cover. Mm hmm. And yeah, and and again, he would. I guarantee he's seen "Welcome to the Dollhouse." The parallels between that and the cover probably. I don't think they would be a coincidence. Yeah. The more I've thought about the album, especially you know a couple of weeks ago, it winning the vinyl bracket, uh, the punk rock vinyl bracket. Yes. And knowing that we were going to be talking about it, it's you know I've I've got I've, I've realized I've got a bunch of unanswered questions uh, <laughs> that I wish I knew more about. Because, you know, considering that the album's been been with me for half my life at this point, yeah. just about. Yeah. So, 23 years old, that's a good that's a good age for a record. Yeah. It's so weird. You think about it, you know, when I was a kid, like, getting tuned on and turned into the Sex Pistols, the stuff that, like, introduced me to punk rock. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, the time I know, like, Seven Seconds was a band that, you know, was from the town I was from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so hearing new music from them, but it's like, you know, I, I thought of like the Clash as these old dudes and Sex Pistols as these old dudes. But it's funny because those albums are actually, you know, at the time were probably only like, you know, yeah. seven years old. Right. You know, <laughs> here we're talking about an album that's 20, you know, yeah. that's still super relevant to me, I think, and to tons of kids out there. It's funny. And it's 23 years old. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny how time works. Moving on to Change Despair. Another great tune on this album with some great guitar fills. With Chris Flippin commanding the rhythms and Chris Rest attacking the leads. You just have this great bit of guitar on this whole album. I love the tones. The guitar tones on this record are just very meaty. I'm not really sure what this song is about, though. I've tried hard to read into it, and maybe that's the problem. Whenever you have to try hard to understand something, I guess you're kind of missing the point. But, you know, there are lines in the song that jump out to me, like disappointment and odds and a costume you can't take off which seems to suggest being stuck doing things you don't really want to do, maybe in order to please others, but it kind of leaves you feeling unfulfilled. In another part of the song, Joey sings, still the best times are here now, now that I'm bored, now that I'm numb. You kind of get stuck in that rut, you know, and you just plow through. Uh, again, I think this is Joey gripes about the quality of his friends. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things, that, you know, this is like the kind of song that you write after waking up and you're hungover and it's like, you know, why do I do the same dumb things? Why am I mm -hmm. hanging out with these same people? Mm -hmm. You know, he's mentioning, you know, costume that you're wearing that you can't take off. It's like, you know, this character that you're playing mm -hmm. to fit in with this 
group or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's just singing, you know, that he hates his friends. And <laughs> I think in stuff like that, you know, I hate my friends. He's saying that he's, uh, he's talking to his band half the time in that <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, like, hey, buddy. What's next? Where are we at? Train. To the sound of a train chugging forward, this song starts off. My inspiration, no good sympathy, taking everything you want, and they left you all alone. And uh, in this one, Joey speaks of someone who found success, but is now dealing with the maybe the other side of success, when people kind of move on. You know, like, you were popular once, but now you're on the backslide. <laughs> These things, they've taken everything you want and left you all alone. And the line, rat in the sewer, scraps they left behind. Once they're visionary, and they all have robbed you blind, really speaks, I think, to that, that concept. Oh, for sure. There's some other cool lines in there about this person has used up their creative tongue and has been amputated, and while others are reaping the benefits. I always thought the song was cool, the lyrics describing this person i don't know if it's a friend of joey's or if it's just made up but i don't or if it's about you know it's like in a sense like the music industry you have bands that have paved the way and but then you know you think about bands like seven seconds who you know poured endlessly in a crappy little van and influenced so many younger bands that have gone on to be huge and success, way more successful than seven seconds ever was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and then these are the, mm-hmm. these are the guys that stole the train that you missed, you know, it's like, that was your train. I, I wouldn't be able to pick which band he's talking about, mm-hmm. but I definitely think it's, yeah, it's, it's a song nodding, you know, giving a nod to the, you know, the ones to the band before and the bands that, yeah. you know, the stepping stones, they, they themselves actually, gone on to be more successful than bands that weren't they were influenced by yeah all right hurry up and wait a tour song hurry up and wait as you're on tour and you know hurrying to get somewhere you get to the venue and you're sitting around for you know four or five hours before you can Mm -hmm. play you know i always think it's funny when bands songs about how hard it is to be a rock star you know (laughs) they've all got them you know, uh, that Bob Seger song pops into my head as like the, the worst offender. <laughs> Here I am on the road again. There I go, turn the page, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you're a fucking rock star. Own it. Be stuck. Yeah, you get to do something you know, I wish I could do. You get do, to go yeah. and, you yeah. know, play in front of all these adoring mm-hmm. fans. You know, oh, sorry, you miss your girlfriend at home. Oh, <laughs> bummer. You know, if that's the case, bring your girlfriend with yes, you. Yes, sir. You know, you're a rock star. You got room on your bus. Totally do it. <laughs> there aren't nearly as many songs about how awesome being on the road is as there are bummer songs yeah. like, oh, you know. I guess they write them in the moment. I guess they uh, inspired maybe by those awful moments on the road. And <laughs> The song is fast. It clocks in at 25 seconds in length. And that includes the, t- the clip at the beginning that seems like it was lifted from an old educational video or something. I don't know where they got that clip, but it's just a real fast one. Hurry up and wait. We're already late, man. Let's go. Just blast by. Be sure to follow Talking Records on social media. We can be found on Instagram at Talking Records Podcast. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. 
Give us a like or a follow, and we'll try to keep fresh content coming your way daily. You can also visit our website at TalkingRecordsPodcast.com. There, you will find episodes, merch, and more. You can even drop us an email at TalkingRecords at Outlook.com. These are all great ways for us to connect with you over all the great music we enjoy. We would love to get this podcast in front of more music lovers, and you can help by providing us with a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts, as every review helps us reach more listeners. Also, word of mouth is helpful, too. Thanks, everyone. Now let's check out Side B. Everything Turns Gray. So I like it. I think this is a great song. But it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't fit the tone of the record, really. It kind of, it feels like an outlier, you know? It, it kind of comes out of left field a little bit on this record. The only problem with that's evident, and I mean, it could be evident to me because I've known it for so much longer in its original form as Agent Orange. Yeah. And I think they, I, like I said, they clean it up. It's way tighter. Mm-hmm. The, it's produced better. It's a good version of the song. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, I think you scratched on it perfectly. It's It, it doesn't feel like it fits. But I yeah. think the problem with that is because we know it's not their song. The writing is a little different. Yeah. I think if, if you had never heard the song before, you might not notice it so much. Mm-hmm. The second we hear it, I mean, just the did it and just leading it right into it, it takes you right back to the first time you heard that Agent Orange song. Yeah. It's like, because you know, you know, that's if it were a song that we hadn't heard before that didn't play, and for me, it played a large part in forming my musical tastes. You know, they were one of the first skate punk bands, mm-hmm. Agent Orange. It's like, you know, definitely, you know, California, there's that surfer vibe to the guitar and whatnot in yeah, it. Yeah. The reverb. <laughs> it's an amazing song. Yeah, it's um, a great song. And but but because it, it that original resonated with me so well mm. that even though I think Lagwagon crushed it, I, it's still just an Agent Orange song to me. It's yeah. not a. It's, it'll never be a Lagwagon song. According to uh, guitarist Chris Rest, we needed another song for the record, and I think we just decided on an Agent Orange song over lunch. We went back and went over it a couple times and just tracked it. So <laughs> decided over lunch, recorded uh, recorded on the fly. But yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I, as a standalone song, I, I like it. If it was like on a 7-inch or something or on a comp, I'd be like, oh, that's a great cover of that song. On this record, I feel like it stands out a little bit. That's just me, though. I'm probably being overly critical. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't pinpoint or put my finger on exactly what it is, but I agree with you. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It also just doesn't have the same vibe as the, yes. the rest of the album. That's, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, free up and wait lyrically doesn't have the same vibe as you know, gun in your hand or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but there's still yeah, and it's it's hard to pinpoint and yeah. exactly what it is, but mm-hmm. but there is an odd oddness to it. Mm-hmm. All right, love story. Starting with some clean and acoustic guitar, the song then takes off. Joey sings, drama is exhausting and I'd rather be alone. I want better friends, so there's that again. I'm sick of giving into harm's way. And then adds, and so are they. Sick of being around something that's destined to fail. And the cool thing is, is at one point Joey sings Destination Failure, which is also the name of a Smoking Pope's record. And I know he was into the Pope's. And I can't help but assume that that was done on purpose. <laughs> I guarantee it was. It wasn't a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that he was a big smoke, smoking Pope's fan, but it doesn't surprise me because they're awesome. Yeah. 
and I know the band's Matt, uh, a buddy of mine, when he writes, he he loves putting in little nods to this and nods to that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guarantee that was just his own little nod to, to that. I, would, I wouldn't have picked up on it. I mean, you... You dive into these lyrics deeply, and so, so yeah, that one <laughs> over scrutinize. <laughs> um, yeah, love stories just about Flip and Tori. Tori, you know, they've been together forever, and they're completely opposites. You know, he's almost seven feet tall. I think she might be four feet tall. Mm. He's just really mellow, laid back. She is like high strung. <laughs> it's the, the the lyrics in love story. It's funny. It's like the guys are in the band. It's like you know, it's, you know, we're standing right yeah, here. We, we can, can hear, hear you. you. Yeah. Like, I love yeah, these lyrics are about you guys <laughs> and your terrible relationship wow, and how it affects funny. us all. I wonder how they feel about that. I, I mean, obviously, you know, I think when you're in a band with group of guys that you've been in a band with forever there's you know it's a family that you create Mm -hmm. you know and you take the good with the bad but you know sometimes it's like hey you're in the band she's not (laughs) you know know. why why are you bringing your drama on the road whatever it might be the song ends abruptly on the word stop and then messengers kicks right in with guitar and vocals you get only the briefest pause between the songs and then joy comes in with which I always thought was kind of cool the way they sequence those. I think this song is about internalizing your conflicts, playing them over and over in your head. Things might be worth talking to others about, but the subject of the song is hesitant to do that. Joey sings, one thing is true, nothing is sacred. When everybody's talking and nobody's listening. When we confide in all those friends, they're just messengers. And, you know, it's the cynical view that no one else really cares about your problems, so that's why we keep them all locked up. (laughs) You know, I actually, on this, never really thought much about what he was singing. Mm -hmm. But it's always one of my favorite songs on the album. I love the melody, yeah. Uh, To me, it's one of the catchier, maybe not catchier, but just... um, one of the better songs on it and, and yeah never really actually even thought what he was meaning by it yeah i think i have lots of songs like that though uh well it's very melodic and it's got some I, really cool guitar layering going on in the song which i always thought was cool there's like some sort of weird effect on the chorus like that you're mentioning the trippy solo from uh leave the light on and this one there's like a i don't know like what pedal it is or what effect it is it's got like a trippy little guitar thing going on in the in the chorus sustain on that one note there's a lot going on it's like it's the guitar solo is almost more like a ways strumming chord structures and but then that one note that just is sustained and ringing there's other weird little musical elements that they've added behind it yeah let's take a look at the kids are all wrong so perhaps a nod to the who's the kids are all right this is just a neat piano driven song with a great melody uh that's todd caps again on piano on this one and again we talked earlier about you know bad astronaut and i definitely feel like you were saying 
Again, a hint towards the direction Joey would take this music during the next few years with Bad Astronaut. I've read where he stated that he was writing songs at the time that Lagwagon had tried and even demoed, like Off the Wagon, that would eventually become a Bad Astronaut song. And this song could have just as easily been a Bad Astronaut song. <laughs> but I feel like yeah. I like it here because I feel like it's a build-up toward the opening riff of May 16th. It's, uh, it's what, the second shortest song on the mm-hmm. record? And it's also the mellowest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can see how they would want to use it um, just as that sort of, Transition, you know, yeah. ebb and flow of a record. Mm-hmm. You got to, you know, take it down a notch so you can pump it up again. <laughs> and and this serves perfectly um, for, you know, that purpose perfectly because it, you know, busts into May 16th, which is, which, you know, is, is seems to be the, the number one hit on the album. Yeah. Um, in most people's opinion, and yeah, it's it's, it's so it, it just eases you right into that, mm-hmm. and and then they get to jump it up that notch uh, for May sixteenth. And the story goes that singer Joey Cape had a falling out with friends, then woke up on May sixteenth after a one night stand. Just another Saturday, according to the lyrics. He heard wedding bells, took a look outside the window, and literally saw his former friends getting married. According to Cape, you know it was me hung over in an apartment with some girl I went home with from the bar the night before. There was an acoustic guitar in the corner. I heard this ruckus happening in the park adjacent to the apartment complex, and it was just a wedding happening on the Saturday, May 16th. And my heart just broke. This wedding that I hadn't been invited to, for some reason I was so close to for so many years of my life, where a misunderstanding caused a falling out between us and some time before. Kind of the backstory on that one. I'm more just, I mean, the song's an amazing song. I love the fact that it's become a punk rock holiday. Yeah, I know. That's so funny. Every year people go nuts for May 16th. Yeah, that's it's insane how many people post it in their feeds and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a cool thing. Yeah. I thought it was cool that you posted some of the old pictures. I've been, post, I've been posting Happy Lagwagon Day, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. But they've, like I said, I've, you know, throughout the years, I keep getting more and more things. And so this year, I decided to pull out one of my old sketchbooks and um, find some of the, the, I was talking to someone about it, actually. Yeah. And and so when it was coming up, I was like, oh, you know, I need to pull out some of those old sketches. I know I have a book somewhere around. So I went digging through and was able to find some of the really scary nerds. Some of the rejects. And then I said, there's been articles written just on the album cover, which is kind of neat. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I read one the other day just because we were talking about doing this. And first, I Googled an article on the, the cover itself rather than the, and he even says like right away, it's like, this isn't going to be about the songs or anything like that. This is just about the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's also the first cover I did that made it into like an art book. Uh, oh, cool. Some, um, book it's called visible music oh that's cool oh half of it's in japanese so i don't know when it came out <laughs> but it's this awesome book that's all just about album and cd cover artwork oh that's cool let's talk about feelings was in it so i was really excited about that that's cool yeah we should talk to joey and actually give this girl a name <laughs> i wonder if he's got a name for her well the painting actually um is owned by Dave Ron. Oh, he's got it. Yeah, the original painting. 
He married a gal named Laura Slippy, which is probably about 20-some years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, somehow I got invited to their wedding. And um, so that was my wedding gift to them. Oh, cool. The, <laughs> I think they lived in Bakersfield when they first got together. And so, like, right in their kitchen, I just you know, said, okay, this is where you got to hang in. So I hung there, but <laughs> they recently moved. I've, I've actually tried to hit them up to get a good, like, transparency shot of it because mm. so many people have asked me to get prints made of oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't have, you know, back when I did this, I didn't even have a computer back then. Mm-hmm. And so having any sort of digital files or anything like that, I I don't have. Oh. Uh, when he did the layout, he scanned these directly. Or if he, but again, it was, you know, so long ago, yeah. I guarantee he doesn't have. Yeah, <laughs> throwing a disc somewhere that's in the bottom of a drawer. Yeah, as well as his... Um, they're 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 more washed out than the original. That's why I'd like to get my hands on the original. Oh. Is um, when he did the layout. I don't know if his monitor was just set up strange, but hmm. um, they seemed a little washed out from, compared to the original. Oh, interesting. It'd be cool to see that original. Yeah. yeah, let's get a hold of Dave Ron. Exactly. All right. Well, and also to help us name the girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got their own name for. Her. The song ends with an extended outro that includes a guitar solo and a neat breakdown. And then, of course, the next song is Owen Meany that has this very lengthy intro. I always thought it was cool that as this album is closing out, the listener is treated to almost like three full minutes of just music without any vocals. Um, and like that's an, in- that's like an eternity for a Lackmacken record. Three minutes of just music. Well, considering they have you know, a 28-second song, I think he said it was. Um, And the kids are all wrong. Probably might make a minute. Mm -hmm. So, and the whole thing was only 29 minutes altogether. So, and you have a 29-minute album, and and three of those are are just an intro to a song. Um, Joey actually told me, um, you know, obviously the titles from A Prayer for Own Meanie, what can I think of the author's name? Um, John Irving. Irving, that's it. Anyways, it's the thickest book I ever read. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like 550, 550. You know, he read that book and it meant a lot to him. And that's, you know, what, the, what he wrote the song from. Mm-hmm. So I figured, that's okay, I'll read this book. And man, I've never cried more in my life for reading the book. Yeah, that's it's a powerful <laughs> book. Very powerful book. I love that almost three-minute musical it's and it just builds up yeah it's yeah that's a really good song on the album too again another foreshadowing of where joey would take his music in the direction of the bad astronaut project it's a really cool song the cello on this is played by angus cook uh, who owned orange whip studios and well the band i guess thought it was a really cool idea and they were really into it uh, Joey got the sense that you know too much of this stuff might have been wandering a little too close to solo material, so he had to kind of he had to kind of keep himself in check with these these crazy ideas when it came to lagwagon music. It's one of those things to always want to grow and yeah. develop and learn more as an artist. But when you are you know when you're in a band and you've you've carved out a sound and a fan base based on that sound to all of a sudden turn in an album that's all 
cello solos <laughs> you know yeah. cello solos and space ambient music yeah. departing even though there's there's a you know i go through and because i love bad astronaut as well and mm. i can go through and pick a handful of those songs that i think could easily go onto a lag record true yeah as an artist you don't want to get pigeonholed but as a band it's like hey this is our sound this is what we got to keep doing right you know you can grow and develop that sound and you know you don't you don't, no need to stay stagnant but you can't depart too far from it if you want to retain that fan base mm -hmm. in a sense you know yeah, you can't stray too far <laughs> In conclusion, Let's Talk About Feelings is just an incredible burst of high-energy punk rock that combines thoughtful lyrics with interesting arrangements. Lagwagon draws from punk, but they draw from metal and even math rock at times. With lead guitars diving in and out and drummer Dave's consistency behind the kit, this is just a really enjoyable record. The movie clips, the elevator music, the 25-second song, and musical experiments just make this a classic. It's got it all, and it's no surprise that a recent online poll declared this album Lagwagon's most popular release. I loved it when I picked it up in 1998, and I still love it today. With Dave and Chris firmly established in their roles, this would begin a long stream of fantastic releases from Lagwagon. Mark, any closing thoughts? Just uh, thanks to everyone that loves this album as much as I do for listening to it, for, for it still being relevant 23 years later thanks to the music for that it is a really good album and you got 29 minutes to kill <laughs> <laughs> listen to it twice super fun project to be a part of yeah got to become friends with the band i mean obviously worked with them beyond just this album um and you know doing the comic book and things like that with them you've formed friendships and, and relationships that um that i'm proud i you know still get to retain today well mark i would like to thank you for hanging out with me today and taking me through your experience with this album and creating the cover art it was a blast talking with you about the songs it was really neat to hear the behind the scenes stuff about putting the album art together that was really cool man thank you thank you um thanks for the interest i'd like to thank guitarist chris rest for filling in some of the holes for me I'd like to thank Adam from Vinyl Geek Mafia for the screenshots of the liner notes for me. A special thanks to Chris DeMakes for the theme music. And thanks to all of you for tuning into Talking Records. It's a blast to dive into these fantastic records, chat about the songs, and try to gather all the information we can into one neat little podcast. Check us out on the socials, say hello, suggest albums, tell us your stories. So Mark, where can people find you on social media? Um, hashtag DeSalvo filter. Mm. Um, I'll show you just about everything that I've been painting um, these days. I posted up on Instagram, which I'm at Mark DeSalvo on Instagram. And please feel free to check out my website. I'll have some original artwork up there as well as prints that are available. Um, and that's www.markdesalvo.com. And so, yeah, I've, I'm always trying to put new new stuff up there i've got some new original paintings so you can get yourself a piece of punk rock art history and yeah yeah when cool. i saw you were doing that man i had to have one i sent you a picture right away i was like i need to have myself in mark salvo art <laughs> and man it's it's right above my here's, here's... vinyl collection great great painting you did for me i really appreciate it very cool to have that. It was, it was a pleasure. Yours is actually one of my favorite ones. Yeah. I was able to 
not only do a portrait of you, but um, I got to sneak in five or six of my own record covers yeah, as well. That was cool. It was very cool. All right, Mark, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I had a blast talking with you, man. Right on. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. We'll talk again soon. Cool. Talk soon, man. Da 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 da